Welcome to Future Stories, a podcast from thejournal.ie. We're partnering with Volkswagen, a leader in automotive technology trends, to look to the future one topic at a time. Throughout the series, we're exploring everything from mealtimes to housing to your weekly supermarket shop and speaking to innovators and change makers. This time on Future Stories, we're looking at the future of dating. So I'll be delving into the world of virtual dating assistants and exploring how science and technology are revolutionizing the dating sphere even further. It is predicted that 7 out of 10 relationships will start online by 2040. And although the hot or not format doesn't appeal to everyone out there, app-led dating continues to be hugely popular in Ireland. In fact, last month Limerick came in as one of the top 10 cities for Tinder activity worldwide. So what are daters looking for in a match and how can technology help the process along? Like most people you meet are, are like, yeah, they're looking to meet a normal lad. Maybe a lot of your friends are married with kids now and all, you know? But like people like my age who I meet who are like sort of 33 to 37, 38, you know? That's a friend of mine who regularly uses dating apps like Tinder. And I've invited him over for dinner with my roommates to find out what he likes about app-led romance and what he thinks needs to change in the future. Some of them have just been kind of like boring, where it's like, not boring, but you just know there's, it's not there, you know? And then there's other ones you're kind of like, oh, maybe there was something there, but then, yeah. It's, but then when you see, when you're not, if you're not finding the person you want, then I think after a while, that's when I kind of switch it off then. My friend tells me that he finds himself deleting and reactivating apps like Tinder over and over again. And he's not the only one out there to suffer from what's often referred to as online dating fatigue, where people switch off from the world of app dating literally and figuratively as they find it to be frustrating, boring or time consuming. That was my first mistake. It was texting someone for ages. I hadn't met them and telling them about like my son, you know, and you're just chatting to like an image. Like, do you know what I mean? Obviously there's a person behind it, but you don't really know that person. But luckily my friend has found a new tactic for using Tinder that works better for him, at least for now. So now I'm pretty much small talk, small talk. Hey, do you want a beer or cook? Because that's what it's for. It should be about meeting people, not about being on your phone all day, swiping left and right, you know. The online dating marketplace is worth about $3 billion. And where there is online dating fatigue, there is a business opportunity. So companies are now emerging to offer us virtual dating assistants, or VDAs, who can impersonate us online and use a dating netiquette manual to gather us worthy matches. So I've caught up with a journalist who worked as one for a story. But before I get to her, I broached the topic with my friend to see if he'd consider using one. And I've asked him to read part of her article. A virtual dating assistant. I don't know. Every morning, I wake up to the same routine. I log into the Tinder account of a 45-year-old man from Texas, a client. I flirt with every woman in his queue for 10 minutes, sending their photos and locations to a central database of potential opportunities. For every phone number I get, I make a dollar seventy-five. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I could see how that would uh, because it is tedious. Like if you're not into being on your phone all the time doing that, but again, like some people are gonna be. <laughs> You'd obviously want to know what she's saying. You go on a date and they're like 
so you were telling me about this. It's like, oh, was I? That was my virtual, <laughs> that was my virtual dating assistant. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't make it tonight. Yeah. 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 being catfished. Yeah. Kind of. Exactly, yeah. But it's Especially not Especially if you're in a playbook where they're like, he said this, page four, profile question. Yeah. What do I respond? Funny joke, X. And plus that's what I mean. <laughs> you know, so potentially there's two virtual dating assistants talking to each yeah. other. You know what I mean? That's what you think of what I'm saying. And they're both going into the book of each side and then the meeting comes down. Hi, how are you? I know nothing about you. Yeah. If I were to find out after the fact, even after a couple of dates, and you really liked someone that they had outsourced, and I was communicating not with them the entire time before we met, I would just be like, nah, I'm done. Definitely. Yeah. It's not advised to come clean and tell the match on the date that they were using this service. Mm -hmm. Because I think that would, you know, justifiably, that would cause some alarm. So I'm Chloe Rose, and I recently wrote an article on working as a virtual dating assistant closer impersonating clients online on Tinder. I wrote an article about my time doing that for QZ.com. So I, I'm just going to talk about the first thing I see here is, does online dating feel like an exhausting, time-consuming struggle? That's me reading part of a slogan for the company that Chloe worked for. The idea of hiring a virtual dating assistant might sound far-fetched to some, but perhaps it could be a more efficient way to flirt and set up dates online. I think the main reason why people use the service is the way that it's billed to them is if you're too busy and you have too much money, you can hire these people to do this ghostwriting service for you and we'll set you up on dates and you don't need to worry about it. And I think there is something to be said for avoiding heartbreak. You know, it can be stressful to put a lot of time into an online relationship and then have the person just disappear, which happens frequently. So that the way it works at the company I was at, a client will join the company and go through this intake interview and they'll supply all of these little tidbits of information about themselves. And then they're assigned a closer which was my job, and the closer has no direct contact at all with the client. All we have contact with is the little tidbits of information, and the closer's job is then to log into their Tinder account and their Plenty of Fish account, Match.com, whatever it is, and flirt with people on their behalf using these little bits of information. As a closer, Chloe would have to flirt in the guise of both a man and a woman, and I'm interested to hear about the manuals that she would be expected to consult while doing this. She was taught a format for online flirting that it seems anyone could learn to follow, be they human or machine. So if you see that a client likes a dog and they want to date someone who also has a dog, you might just do, you know, Apple F to find the word dog in the manual and you'll see a huge list of pickup lines that are dog related. And one of them is, hey, as an animal lover, I want to find out your opinion dressing up your dog, yes or no. It's a great example of a super low cognitive load pickup line, which is not supposed to make the match think very much. It's just supposed to be very easy to answer. But what I am dying to know is could Chloe have been talking to another VDA? And would she have known if she was? I definitely have thought about that and worried about that possible future situation. Um, mm. It's a very kind of black mirror idea. Um, you know, this idea of having two robots flirt with each other 
until they find their perfect match and then you're assigned to a person. I don't know. I mean, I think so much of romance is random and taking risks and being vulnerable. And what this company does is it protects the client from that vulnerability and from making mistakes um, and essentially protects them from romance. I think romance requires a certain level of pain and hard work. Um, so I hope, I hope that's not the future we're looking at. So what does Chloe predict for the future of dating, online and offline? I think we're seeing an oversimplification of human emotions online. So I'm really hoping that more people and young people especially start moving back towards meeting people in person and instead of trying to form these connections online in these very oversimplified manners. I think the reason behind us developing the event in the first place was to try and inject a bit of romance back into the, the mechanism of dating. I think dating apps can be quite cold. That's Jen from Gorilla Science, an events company which runs sensory speed dating nights where the audience are challenged to explore how senses are related to attraction. All the rounds, apart from the sight round, involve people wearing blindfolds um, to try and kind of get rid of that, the sight bias, basically. As you can imagine, during these events, people are asked to complete rounds where they smell, hear, taste food and dance together. But what I find fun is the setting. Immersive theatre is a huge trend at the moment, and this event taps into that by providing comedic hosts who interact with the audience. So, for example, the host might tell them a fun fact like, women are attracted to the smell of men who their genes are compatible with. The audience will then have to pair up, smell each other, and declare who turned them on. A few things I've been researching is a lot of people are saying that virtual reality dating is now a popular medium. And it it got me thinking about your events because virtual reality dating, you obviously can't see the person. You are going on voice and, I don't know, touch if you've got the right gear. And I wondered if at the end of all these rounds, someone's connected with someone that they wouldn't have if they'd just seen a picture of them. Uh, I mean... In terms of the audience response, people really enjoy exploring the different domains of attraction. And, you know, anything multisensory is is good to get people to look at something in a different way and also gives people the chance to meet people in a bit more of a relaxed way, just a bit more playful, less serious. VR dating first became popular in 2017 when gimmick-based dating shows latched onto this new blind date format. That same year, PlayStation VR released Summer Lesson, a VR dating game, which became the second most sold game in Japan during its first month of release. But forecasters think that this medium will not become truly popular until advances in wearable technology mean that we can have fully sensory virtual dates. It's predicted that in just 25 years, the rate at which data can be shared will be so fast that all five human senses could be digitally simulated at once. So, for example, in the future, we may be able to implant tiny sensors in our skin, which will allow us to feel another's touch through Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. 
Other predictions from business forecasters include DNA dating services, whereby matches between singles are made in labs and based on genetic code or chemical and electrical signal analysis. But in order to know where the future of dating is truly heading, I've gone back to the past to speak to Willie Daly, who is considered to be Ireland's last traditional matchmaker. The line isn't so clear now. Do you want to get married or sorry now? Are you looking for to meet a friend? No. Um, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm a journalist and I'm looking at the future of dating. And yeah. I wanted to know if many young people are clients of yours or if this is something that might die off years from now. Well, I'll be honest with you now, is that I'm always surprised at the amount of young people who use traditional uh, matchmaking services. It just consistently surprises me because, you know, I suppose I'm aware that it's a very old tradition. It does work, but it's like there's so many modern ways of people meeting through, I suppose, computers. And you hear people talking about a thing that's called simply a fish mm-hmm. and tender. I mean, I think those things are quite good. So it just surprised me how the matchmaking has got so popular, you know. I mean, there's people that would be maybe 21, 20, 25, 30, up to their 30s, and I keep thinking, God, oh, they're such lovely people, so they must be able to meet people, you know, themselves. But the word I hear a lot of is that, you know, women saying it, and... Indeed, men as well saying it's very hard to meet a nice person. Now, that's a very commonly used word, and I suppose that surprises me as well, because I think, I suppose my take on it is that I feel and I have for what I meet and deal with that there's an awful amount of nice people out there. Willie's family have been in the traditional matchmaking business for about 160 years. So if there's anybody to have the final say on this topic, it's him. Although he's hard to hear, Willie tells me that any new mediums which can facilitate matchmaking should be celebrated and encouraged, as the pursuit of romance is the most important thing in life. Anything in life more important than romance. Subscribe to Future Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for updates on our next episode. Thanks for listening. Future Stories is brought to you by thejournal.ie in partnership with Volkswagen, who are the forefront of automotive technology trends, including autonomous driving, in-car connectivity and electric mobility. Volkswagen, we make the future real.